and welcome along to A Work in Progress with me, Amy Conley. This podcast is all about the highs and lows of business and life and everything in between. And we'll be speaking to different guests along the way. Today, I'm joined by hairdressing mogul Dylan Bradshaw. It's kind of the simple things actually that still give you that wanting to come to work every day. Like awards yeah. are great, don't get me wrong, but I don't work for awards. If they come along, yeah. they're great. If, you, if you're chasing awards, you live a miserable life. I really believe that. Because when you win an award, it's amazing, but it doesn't change your, uh, you know, it doesn't make you busier or it doesn't make it any, it, it's, it's a great accolade to receive. But actually looking at your team doing well and you know, you get great kind of um, pride for them and just to see them growing up and developing their skills. Is, is, we still get a, a great buzz out of it. You know? Who chats to me about his history of business to date, his near 20 year business, his hopes for it and how they plan to reopen and the changes involved. So we'll get straight into it. So uh, Dylan, the managing director of Dylan Bradshaw Hair Salon, which I believe you're 20 years in business this year. Am I right? We're actually 20 years in business uh, in November. Uh, oh the, my God, November. congratulations. Yeah, yeah we've, we amazing. We have the coronavirus to celebrate our 20th anniversary. So it's an amazing <laughs> uh, memory to look back on. <laughs> I know it's probably and we'll touch on that a bit later on, but I, I can't imagine, you know, how different it's probably made your 20th year than any of us could have imagined in any business. Um, but thanks so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'm well, very excited to hear about how it all began. You know, 20 years is a substantial amount of time in any business, let alone when it's totally your own. So talk mm. us through kind of what led you to opening Dylan Bradshaw Hair Salon. Um, I think, I mean, I worked for Peter Marks since I was 15 and I really, I really loved it, but I got to the stage and at 21, I was like, uh, 22, I went away to New York for a year. I just kind of worked over there and it kind of, st- I, it wasn't the, the greatest salons to work in, but actually what I loved <laughs> about it, I really learned about it was the, the experience uh, and the, and the service, like they do an amazing service and experience. And that's kind of what I took back with me when I okay. came home. So I went back to work for Peter Mark for a year and then I just decided I wanted to move on and actually work for a smaller operation. So I went to work in Reds and Dawson Street for Alan Bruton and I worked there for four years and it was actually, it was great. It was really, it was a great time for me. I really got to flourish. So I started looking after people like the Coors when I was in uh, Reds and they kind of blew up massively, you know, so. And then it led me on to things like looking after U2 and, you know, lots of artists that were coming through because obviously music was a big deal in those days where artists were coming through and uh, record companies were contacting me to look after celebrities and stuff. So it was it was getting really, really good. I had won awards with for L'Oreal, the Colour Trophy and stuff like that. So I just decided at that stage it was the time was right for me to move on and do my own thing. Nice. And so tell us now, looking after U2, is Bono as lovely as he appears to be? They're great guys, absolutely. I mean, I think <laughs> that's the great thing about Irish artists. They, there's, there's still an Irish. Uh, I know Bono gets a bit of flack, you know, sometimes from the press and the media, but he's an incredibly generous guy. Um, yeah. Beautiful family, and you kind of get we. And Bono is Bono, you know. He's he's quite um, what would you say? He's larger than life character, but actually a very thoughtful kind of guy as well. But and I okay. learn a lot. Of, you learn you learn a lot from people like that as well as the everyday client that comes into your salon. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was the next stage was going into open my own, my own business. Okay. So at that stage, by the time that you'd opened your own business, how many years had you been doing hairdressing for? 
so I started hairdressing in Peter Mark and Dunleary Shopping Centre when I was 15 and I did that for, for part time for two years. And then mm. I wanted to take it up serious. So I did it as a trade, you know, and then kind of, you know, I was I've been working all the way through. I really enjoyed it, but I was in the suburbs and then kind of wanted to come into town. And kind of town opened up my eyes, really, you know, when I come to work in the city centre. It just mm. gave me a great... Um, I really, I really kind of upped the game and I wanted to do better in it, you know, and that, it just kind of gave me more of a drive to do like editorials and session hairdressing. And I loved the salon, but I loved all the other, the other, uh, I suppose, avenues the the industry could take you in, you know. And it's, yeah, and it's uh, kind of nice to change it up and have, you know, different days in the week doing different things to keep you, I suppose, interested as well. Well, I mean, when you're young enough, it's great because like, you know, there's no, like I obviously have a, charlotte and the kids now so that's different for me so my my yeah. uh what i want out of my career is different now than when it was down but like jesus i mean in those days i was like working on mtv music awards i was doing video music videos in la or could have been south america or you know whatever mm-hmm. so you, you you had this great you know it was this great tapestry of like i suppose creative like i mean i did i worked on vogue shoots i've done marie claire i've done you know, I suppose kind of like I got to do pretty much everything and work with some of the best photographers, worked with some supermodels along the way. It's been an amazing um, experience, but actually my, my love... job you have there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> actually, you know what? It, I, as much as I love it, I mean, I'd still go into work every day before you meet these people incredibly nervous. And of course. Not yeah. knowing, you know, what what kind of people they're going to be or what the demand is. And always nearly, in, to be honest, is there's a, there's a self-doubt as well where you kind of go, oh, I really want to make sure I do this right for this person and, and make a lasting impression that they're really yeah. happy with it, you know? Yeah. And so obviously, you know, you've just mentioned some of the top names there that you've worked on and kind of different editorial shoots, et cetera. Is there any kind of one job when you look back on it now that you're like, that was definitely a highlight in terms of maybe it being... I don't know, the biggest star, the biggest photographer, the biggest editorial to work on? Um, You're like, I've too many to choose from. (laughs) No, you know what it is? Look, don't don't get me wrong. They were all huge. But there was there's definitely a pinch pinching moment, you know. I've uh, I tell you the funny one of the most bizarre ones I've done was I did a a music video for um, uh, you too. I think I think the song was uh, City of Lights, and basically it was flat pack, flat back truck that was going from Harlem all the way down through Times Square. No, uh, and I was and I was on the back of that truck, and then it goes over the Brooklyn Bridge, and then the gig ended, and it was like this mad shoot. There was like twenty four cameras, two helicopters, sixty thousand people chasing the flat back truck. It was one of the most mental things. And because I'm doing the grooming, it was a windy day, right? I had to stay behind a speaker on the flat pack truck and look after the lads in between shots and takes. Right. So I was doing their grooming, but the funniest thing about it was like, you're, you're standing on a flat pack truck and now I know like I'm nothing to do with the band, but I was like, going, this is totally bizarre. There was probably like <laughs> 70,000 people in Times Square chasing after this truck and Bono's being Bono and the lads are all, you know, performing yeah. the song. And I was just like, going, holy shit, this is a long way from sweeping up there. <laughs> that's amazing though to have had that experience oh uh, you know it's it, there, you take such great things from all of them and amazing like really really great experiences for sure like like so many great memories 
from 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 gigs like that, you know. So then you say that you obviously made the decision to open up your own salon. So I would have found from any kind of articles that say the most loveliest things about you and your trade and your business, a lot of them reference how you would have been the first to bring the whole destination salon concept to Ireland. So talk us through kind of, you know, you mentioned that when you were in New York, you really loved the whole experience they were offering and you definitely took that away with you. What I suppose was your initial thoughts about what you wanted Dylan Bradshaw hair salon to be? I think, you know, 20 years ago when I was 27 and I opened up, I just, I did, I did, I wanted to be different. I didn't want to do what other people were doing. And I remember as a kid, my mother always used to say to me, you know, like be a, be a leader, not a follower. And I never really got it because, you know, when you're a kid or you're a teenager, or you, the whole idea is to fit in. It's not to be different. Yeah. But as you get older, you know, and then you see what you, you know, you, you, how you do hair or how you, experience things i was like going you know i don't want to do what everybody else is doing i want to do something different for me so you know just simple things that when we i got a an architect in tom de who was a very famous architect an irish architect um and he took on the project purely because for the quirk factor because we did something very different at the time and um so we opened this, uh, the concept that I had was I wanted to bring in shiatsu massage and I wanted to slow everything down and I wanted to have that you're that you'd have a massage on, in a basin uh, in a private room that wasn't on the salon floor and so we kind of turned the whole service upside down a little bit and I remember people used to slag you know people were slagging me off in the industry going like where is your man going with, with all this stuff. <laughs> But it's we such an Irish thing, isn't it? Time, you know? Who does he oh, think he is? Such an Irish thing. Well, <laughs> like it, it worked out great, you know. And like again, I was I was incredibly lucky. It's just, it's all about timing, you know. I was um, I was I was uh, I was I was um, I was on I was on a jet with uh, like a private flight with uh, the cores at the time. They were massive flights, and um. I was flying back and I was getting off the flight to go view a space for a salon, a possible salon that I was going to take. And mm-hmm. John Hughes, and I, the reason why I bring this story up was I only met him this morning in the 40 foot going for a swim. And he said mm-hmm. to me that I was talking to him and I was laughing. One of the lads was saying, how do you know him? And I was telling the story. But the story goes that when I was going back to the salon or so going back to view the spaces, are you going to open your salon? I said, yeah. And he goes, so what are you going to call it? And I think I was going to call it something like the room or something like that. Right? And he was like horrified. And he was like, what's the room? That's an awful name. And I said, what do you mean? And he's like, like my heart, my heart's breaking here. I was like, I thought yeah. about this for so long. And he was like, um, so look at those gobshites there sitting on the, on the flight, which is the chorus, right? He said, I can't remember. It was something ridiculous like this. They wanted to call themselves Exanadu or something like that, right? And he started laughing. And we were all laughing. He goes, Call it by your name, he says, because it never tires, it'll never age, it'll always be your name, and, and you'll never look back and kind of go, what was I thinking when I called that name? And I changed for that reason. I kind of said, now I thought it was a bit of a vanity thing. I was like, oh, Jesus, do I really want to call my, my business <laughs> after me? Because it does it sound a bit egotistical? And he was like, no, just do it. And actually, and like, it's a great name. The whole DB, they're such strong letters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but look, you know, it's 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 all chance, you know, things happen for reasons. You know, you have these opportunities where you talk to somebody or you cross paths and it brings you on to something else or it changes the direction and so on. So like it's things like that that I always remember 
but how, how it's changed the direction or how it influenced the decision yeah. that you make or improve on what you want to do. So that was 20 years ago when you guys opened. So have you seen kind of massive changes along the way? Like I presume, you know, your team has grown along with you uh, as well as the various things that you offer as a destination salon, I'm sure. Well, as the salon, we were in that, we were in the salon in Johnson's place for uh, eight years and we had 15 stations and we had about 22 staff at the time. And then uh, the recession came. Uh, and our landlord at the time was looking for a huge rental increase. I think we were paying about £70,000 a year at the time, and he was looking to bring it up to one hundred and twenty in the recession. So we were like, screw that. Yeah. So we started looking around uh, at premises in the height of the recession, and we found uh, an old building just 100 yards down the road from me that was left vacant for about five or six years um, in 56 South William Street. And I Which went is and viewed that and viewed the other location. A super location. It's just there's there's a really great energy on South William Street. And anybody knows that there's always a vibe and the bars, restaurants and you know, cafes. There's a nice energy in it, but it's also like it's just salons like from the length and breadth of it, you know, upstairs and downstairs. So it's yeah. a busy, vibrant kind of I mean, they call it the uh, what do you call it? The uh, what's it called? It'll come back to me in a second. Sorry, <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a busy area. It's it's a really really good place. But at the time, now it's ten years ago when I when I took the building. It was it was probably um, a little bit gone through a yeah a transition, if you like. So a lot of the um, yeah. rag trade was pulling out, and new stores were coming in. Okay. And in terms of where your team is today, then so. You know, we touched on the beginning and that we are obviously recording this during a pandemic. Um, and mm-hmm. I know salons have been hit very badly given, you know, you can't really operate with social distancing guidelines. However, one thing that's for sure is the minute that you are allowed to reopen, I would say you're going to need to triple your staffing and open more than seven days a week because the amount of people waiting to get a hair appointment, I'd say, is insane. Yeah, I mean, it's been really difficult for a lot of women out there. I mean, I'm inundated with texts and people messaging me on social media and stuff or emailing me just like, you know, frantic to get their hair done. I mean, it's really difficult. I mean, we're nine, 12, 11, 12 weeks, I think. No, we're at our 11th week now. We're closed. Um, Yeah, what we did was at Dylan Bradshaw, we put like a what we called an emergency pack together for all our clients. And it was just a root okay. touch of colour. So what it was, was it was just, it's like a, a, um, a semi-permanent. It was never a permanent colour. But what we said to them was, look, guys, rather than you trying to tackle the colour yourself and trying to buy something, you know, off a pharmacy shelf or supermarket, what we are going to do is I'm going to just give you a base colour that will just disguise your regrowth. So if you, this is now if you've got, yeah, tints or semi-permanent, we can't replace highlights. But what we can do is we can disguise the regrowth uh, for you and it will just hold it won't hold as well and it won't give full uh, coverage but what it'll do is it'll just disguise it until we get back to you again so we did okay. that service straight away and that's been really really good at support of the clients and again we're supporting our clients who have supported us for all this time yeah. and our we are um on our online business is thriving at the moment which is doing really really well for us which is great to see and um, we've had yeah. so much support 
for our clients and we rebooted actually charlotte's rebooted um our website our online shop and it's been a great um time i mean i think like it isn't great that we're not we're not open we're closed for a period of time but it's given us a great sense of you know to reflect you know rethinking and reboot the business uh when we're moving into our 20-year anniversary which is in november we're also going to do a fit out as well so we've got some very exciting things that's going to come down the line next year for the business and um, that we're just finalizing and tying up you know 20 sure years November, business, you know once you're back in business it'll be like the best anniversary ever imaginable because everyone will be so happy to be back in the swing of things yeah. and you back know, in your gorgeous it's kind of difficult as well for i suppose all the team you know like we're all creatives and everybody's a little bit sensitive and creative in the creative world but you do need that human contact and you do need that mm. having those conversations and and you build up great relationships with your clients as well as your with your colleagues that you work with so we all miss each other and miss our clients yeah. and our clients miss us so it's yeah. just this kind of one big happy family when we get back with bad haircuts and terrible results <laughs> <laughs> you'll be like welcome them with open arms come in let me fix your hair <laughs> Um, you mentioned yeah. there a minute ago uh, your lovely wife Charlotte, who I know <laughs> helped you to get your technicality sorted before we started this. So you're obviously in business together, and you know she's rebooted your online store, which is totally apt given the current situation. What's it like working together as a married couple? Well, you can see the uh, respect we have for each other there <laughs> as we were trying to get online. <laughs> um, it's um, no, it's good. Like to be honest with you, we don't see much of each other. Most of the time, because okay. I'm on the floor and Lottie be behind the scenes, she comes into the salon three mornings a week to do um, work in the office, uh, work meeting with the team. Um, but we wouldn't really cross paths that much within the salon, which is great. The funny yeah. thing is, we were joking, oh, I was joking about, we were living together like as in 24-7, probably 10 or 11 weeks now. And... I'm I'm laughing going, it's probably the equivalent to about 65 years of marriage at that stage. But we spent that <laughs> much time together. Like I'm gone at six in the morning most mornings and I'm home at you know, seven, seven thirty. So I actually think we're probably we're past the diamond. Is it a diamond is fifty or sixty years, whatever. So it feels like we're, we 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 we'll, we'll have lots to say when we go back to work. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great because I actually find that anyone who say works with a sibling or a partner or an actual wife or husband often have the same advice where they're like, firstly, they don't know any different, but also you kind of have your strengths in different areas. So you don't really have too much direct contact in work, which seems to make it work for lots of people. Oh, I think good. to be honest with you, the success of Dylan Bradshaw's it has a huge part to play with obviously Charlotte, my wife. I mean, when I opened the salon first, I was... I was uh, flying solo for about three years and then I met Charlotte, thankfully, to uh, uh, clear up the mess. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of Money hard, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really good at doing the hairdressing in the front of house and taking care of clients and service and all that sort of stuff. But like like most people in business, you have to understand your strengths and weaknesses. And, yeah. you know, they're my strengths and my wife's weakness or my wife's strengths are, you know, from the accountancy background and driving the business and margins and wages and HR. So it yeah. really does work with, you know, in that sense. So we don't really. And that's perfect because if you were probably part of that side, you wouldn't be the same creative that you are now. Do you know, they generally say, don't they, that you're kind of one or the other in terms of the parts of our brains. Totally. But I think part of it as well is you have to, under, you have to understand that in business. If you need, like, like 
we are 20 years in business, but and I want to get another 20 years out of the business. I look forward to the next 20 years. But you've got to understand what your what your strengths and your weaknesses are, and to understand. And let let me tell you, like I'm not saying after 20 years I've mastered it. I'm still making the mistakes, and I still get things wrong. Or you can employ somebody or that you think was going to be great, it's not great. Or you invest yeah. in something that hasn't worked out. Or but that's part of life, and that's part of business. It's it's constantly changing. It's constantly rotating and moving and you've got to move with it and if you don't you just kind of get left behind and your business starts to suffer you know Mm -hmm. in terms of say the the last kind of 20 years being in business and being in your own business what would you say if you look back from where you are now has been the biggest unknown or maybe the biggest thing that you know no one had prepared you or warned you about from having your own business oh everybody warns you you just don't listen that's kind of part of the thing about, you know, going into business. Because if you were to listen to people, it's like people saying to you, if people told you what it's like to have a child, you probably wouldn't have one. You know, it's kind of yeah. the same thing, you know. Uh, okay. Well, not that I know the experience of, but for a woman at given birth, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like uh, business is, is very, very hard. It's incredibly difficult. It's be, definitely become more um, m- managing people now, yes. much more than clients. And like the, in the old days, it used to be just focused on looking after the clients. And the clients, you know, unfortunately, are the easiest part of the business now, where the team, and I'm not saying all my team, but when you've got like 50 staff or 40 staff or even three staff, I talk to people all the time in business or, or that, you know, we communicate about how they're getting on. It's the same problem for everybody in business. I think human nature has changed, the mindset's changed. People get bored quickly. They want a new something exciting going on in their lives so it's kind of hard sometimes to get people to stay long-term in business now or to stay focused or to feel like that they they probably want something else so you you've got to i think people's expectations can be a little bit maybe unbalanced a little bit so you've got you have to try and stimulate the team that work around you and excite them and make them want to or make them look forward to coming in there you know and that's kind of what you have to do now more so you know yeah yeah that's interesting um and I suppose on a similar note then I was going to ask you what you would say has been your biggest challenge and it may not be directly related to that kind of HR element that you spoke about there you know you mentioned that the 20 years in business have seen a recession and now a pandemic um but it also could be something way smaller that sticks out to you like has there any been or has there been any challenges that you go yeah that was really bloody tough there's loads of challenges. I can give you a challenge every year. I give you a challenge that happens this week. <laughs> I mean, that's part of it, you know. I mean, has there been anything? I, we opened a blow dry bar in the airport years ago, and it was sh- it was shit. It actually did crap. Really? really? Yeah, it was awful because what I had expected, and there's one thing I've learned about it is I would never open my business as a concession. Never. I would never do it. And I've been asked many times by different brands or industries. Uh, different uh, businesses to to come on board and because I can't control my destiny I can control my destiny when I have I'm on a high street I can control what comes and goes and that's how I feel about my business especially on that end when you have an airport that was slowly opening over six months and then that they were they weren't running the tight ship at the time um, which didn't help us and then there was so many elements that we couldn't control. So we just, I was like, I walked away after years said, I'm not getting myself in this situation where it's not working the way I want it to work. 
And, you know, the, the airport has to work their way and it just didn't suit what, how we do business. Um, so, yeah, we couldn't control it as well as, as that. And the traffic, the, the people weren't uh, staying in the, um, I suppose, in the uh, duty-free because I think the average spend of people were eight minutes because they were dashing to the gates. Now, if you notice in the airport, they don't uh, show you the gate until 35 minutes before to keep people shopping. So there was just a lot of stuff that was oh, even yeah, okay. stuff that was going on, and we were part of the issue uh, where we it affected us. But you know, I've again we've done things of a business that hasn't worked out, but that's part of it. I I don't look back and stuff and go, oh that was a disaster. I look back and go, you know what? I've it's a lesson learned. It could be an expensive lesson, yeah. could be a, a, an easy lesson, and I know moving forward, I'm going to make mistakes again. But that's part mm-hmm. of, you know what makes you stronger or makes you more knowledgeable or makes your business better. So you have to make mistakes. It's not all about, but you have to move quickly and get on to the next yeah. thing rather than just, you know, letting it, I suppose, take over. That's what I would always say, you know, our business now, we're only like three and a half years in, but in that three and a half years, I've probably had every issue possible that could happen to a cosmetics company, but in a great way. But I always say that I've definitely learned over the last few years and given the amount of things that have gone a bit haywire, that you become so much better at dealing with issues and you kind of instantly drive into, okay, what's a solution? What's the learning and what can I take from it? Do you know? And um, whereas at the beginning, I, I probably like flailed about a bit and just went a bit hysterical when things went wrong. But it definitely gets easier. But that's well, nice so, to know that it's you. It's so personal to you, though. I mean, do you know what I mean? I think I the know. thing is that it's like it's your baby, and that's the thing. Like, no one gets it because it's like, you know, if somebody, you know, 20 years ago, if somebody said there was a complaint that came into the salon, I'd, near, I'd die. I'd, I'd be asleep. I'd have a sleepless night until I dealt with the person the next day, if that was the case. Now it's not a complaint. The way normal problems is, I think the word complaint is shouldn't be used for starters because it nearly makes everything sound the worst. Somebody would say to me, oh, there was a woman on and she, uh, it's a complaint. And then you look at the file because we do, a, you know, you have to fill out a form, you know, when mm-hmm. they have to chat with the person. And then you follow up on it and it's something so simple that it's not a complaint. It's just something that can be rectified or easily thing yeah. or there's a miscommunication or whatever it is. So, you know, like you're going to make mistakes, but again, you know, it's it's a it's every it's a it's a lesson. And if you re, if you replace the word mistake as a lesson, then it doesn't sound so bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. You're right, though. When you say personal, I would say that's definitely um one of my biggest downfalls in a sense. Even though I know it's nice to have that personable element, but I definitely probably take things a bit too personally that I'm trying to work on <laughs> in business because you know you just spend your whole cry- time crying then if that's the case but um it so, is it's a common for everybody yeah who cares i should say yeah actually i suppose that not that, that's a nice way to look at it isn't it like that we actually are just taking it personally because we care so much about the outcome so i'll just tell myself that instead um in yeah. terms of on a like kind of lighter note obviously you know you've won countless awards I wouldn't even know where to begin listing them you've worked on some of the biggest names and you obviously have the most beautiful salon that you've been in for years is there any one kind of moment if you could even possibly pick that would stick out as being one of your proudest um god there's so many you know like there's so many great moments to yeah which is amazing to say well, you know what, and I and I don't please don't think I'm saying it in a. It's just there's so many great moments. Like I'll tell you the funny thing is 
I get great moments when I see the assistants. We have a, a college trainee catwalk on every year in the salon. And it's just like, it's this moment where our kind of trainees, which are kind of aged between, let's say, 18 to 21, showcase their work. They source their model. They dress them. They do. They get a makeup artist in to look after them. You know, one of our team takes care of it. And it's that it's those days. I get more out of that now, funnily enough, for one of the younger team when they qualify. I mean, Jesus, I've had I've been blessed to win awards and, you know, you know, like I've had great, great moments. Yeah. And last year's had great, great moments within the business. But it's kind of the simple things, actually, that still give you that wanting to come to work every day. Like awards yeah. are great. Don't get me wrong, but I don't work for awards. If they come along, yeah. they're great. If you if you're chasing awards, you live a miserable life. I really believe that it's like because you're always disappointed or devastated that it's not happening. Because when you win an award, it's amazing, but it doesn't change your, uh, you know, it doesn't make you busier or it doesn't make it mm-hmm. any, it, it's it's a great accolade to receive. But actually looking at your team doing well and, you know, I kind of look, they're nearly like your your kids or your family in that sense. And I like looking at the trainees coming through and doing really well. You get, you get great kind of um, pride for them and just to see them growing up and developing their skill set is, is we still get a, a great buzz out of it you know yeah that's lovely um <clears throat> were you ever tempted to I know you mentioned obviously you had trialed the blow dry bar in the airport so maybe that was the reasoning or maybe you're going to say that was kind of a test for you in terms of opening extra salons but were you ever tempted to extend the locations um yeah um no i haven't been tempted uh, that was the only the only reason why i did the airport because i thought it was going to be the best advertising campaign for dylan bradshaw because you were going to get so many million people passing your door yeah. every day that was it really i mean it had to make a margin it had to you know wipe its eye at least um mm-hmm. but all i kept thinking was people will see my brand as they're coming and going through the country so that was really my drive with that salons wise okay. go no interest really like half our business comes from the 32 counties um and i don't really yeah. have like my salon is ten thousand square feet so it's the equivalent of ha- somebody having four salons under one roof do you know what i mean so yeah. or five salons or whatever way you want to describe so we've 45 staff i think at the at the busiest when we were we had about 66 staff but that was just an absolute nightmare to run an operation that size it was so difficult it was so That's hard insane. to control just um just everything it was so big it's it was like a it was a ship, you know, you were running. It was incredibly difficult. Now, I loved it, and we turned over a hell of a lot of money when we had that sort of But your, your margins were incredibly tight. Uh, so mm-hmm. sometimes you kind of, you just have to be really honest as well within the business. That you're just, you're making it good enough, but not killing yourself where you're a yeah. busy fool or you're trying to. And that's, that's, that's what I was very, just going to say. Fun. You don't want to be a busy fool. Yeah, and it's, that's the hard thing about business. You have to just make sure that you do it right that there's something at the end of the day to re- reinvest back into the business. So you're saying that over these kind of last few weeks when obviously unfortunately the salon had to close um, and you've kind of been able to take stock and um, pair back, you know, look at the business, look at how you're going to reboot. Are there any kind of long-term changes that you would imagine Dylan Bradshaw Hair Salon will see now once things um, come back to work after this pandemic? Yeah, there's loads. 
I mean, I don't want to get into too much. Uh, sorry, not not in it. Just uh, I don't really want to say too much purely because we have lots of great ideas. But what I will say to you is, we're going to yeah. we're doing a huge focus campaign on our online business. That's something we did we didn't take serious enough, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, because we were just always we do we do online business and we do enough to you know, which was a, a, a sizable sum of money. But it's three or four times now it's gone up for what we normally do. It's a big jump. Um, and there's certain areas in the business I know where their strengths are and our weaknesses are, and there's some stuff that we need to cut, uh, parts of the service that I don't think works as well. We've got to streamline certain things. Now, as going back to the salon, it's not the salon that we left, you know, 10 weeks ago. The service is going to be different. The experience is going to be different. So that, yeah. I suppose, for the next six months, or let's say to ties us through to Christmas, will be different. The experience mm-hmm. in the salon will be different. Um but we'll get through it and um, we'll work around it and we'll get through Sorry, Siri keeps talking for some reason. We'll get through <laughs> it. Um, we'll get. And I, I do think things happen for a reason. I really do. I know people are going, that's a terrible thing to say. People have lost their lives and please, that's not what I, I mean. But I mean, from a business yeah. point of view, if you're unaffected, hopefully nobody's lost their lives. But I, I mean, things happen for a reason and we all have to reboot and regroup and go, okay, you know, I know for a fact there's lots of business out there that won't come back. And it's not because of the pandemic. It's because the pandemic made them realize that actually if I go back, it's going to be the same problem again, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, margins are very, very hard. Like service industry is so tight. Yeah. So for margins wise. So. I think it's great, though, that, you know, even if one of the biggest positives that comes from it is the online side of things. And like, I can definitely say that's the same for our business. Like we were always online. It was always a big portion, but we never fully sat back and gave it the full potential it should be. And that's exactly what we've done over these last few weeks. And we're going to continue to do as well. So I think it's always even like a nice boost for the owners of the business, like yourself and Jordan included to see that positive and have that kind of new focus and maybe challenge as well. But that's what I felt from our side that, you know, you're nearly excited about growing that area in line with the rest of the, the rest of the business. Uh, like most definitely, uh, I definitely think it's something that we can um, really, really like build a good uh, business from. Um, and funnily enough, it's a business that your margins are much greater, you know, because yeah. when you're, when you employ people, obviously your margins are like, which I'm happy to employ people, but by the time everything's paid off, and your your running cost like there's very little left in the in the bank but once you're mm-hmm. online businesses your margins are much greater with less less uh staffing so it's unfortunate but that's the way it, uh, business is going because and unfortunately I, I, you know the next few years ahead i'm i'd be concerned about our, our hair industry because i do think it is going to shrink in size do you think yeah do you not think that the people need people to do their hair they do but the problem with it is and this is what i mean is businesses will shrink in size there's so much hairdressing happening at okay. home now which has after yeah. grown massively in this uh um pandemic if you like lots of hairdressers are going out or lots of hairdressers are going out into salon or sorry are going out to homes to do hair at the yeah. moment okay but yeah it'll be interesting to see kind of how it all how it all unfolds and and kind of what the what the changes are when we start back but you know, like you said, obviously it'll be 
strong and it'll, although it'll be a different experience like people will be so excited just to get back into a hair salon myself included yeah 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 not as excited as me amy <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> I'm, I'm at the top of the list to try and get I'm dying to get back to work and getting back into a hair salon i know and isn't that amazing like even after 20 years that you're like so excited to get back into it you know that you're not at all sitting on your laurels going well this is grand no you know the funny thing is it's like i need my clients as much as they need me you know i need my team as much as they need me and that's the thing that kind of brings it home to you sometimes you know that you forget like you do i i i really need structure in my life and i find funnily enough that if i don't have that structure you kind of start falling to peace especially when you're like off work 10 weeks and then another four or five weeks ahead you know even like I find that I start to feel a bit demotivated you kind of lose that that spark that you have of like new ideas and keeping it going like I often find as ironic as it sounds like I can keep going no problem when I'm working at an insanely busy pace it's when I stop that everything stops like even my even my thoughts and my brain which sounds bizarre um in terms of an advice so obviously, Dylan, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. You have trialed um, lots of different areas within the hairdressing. And say, you know, hairdressing aside, if anyone who's listening to this is maybe thinking, you know, I really want to kickstart my brand or my business into a bricks and mortar style store. So maybe it's a service based idea or brand that they have. What would be your top three tips for someone looking to do something similar to what you've done? Um. Well, look, I'd, st- I'd start off with something small in the, in the sense of your focus. Don't try and think too big. Like I started a business not to be like to conquer, like, you know, South William Street or conquer, you know, whatever going on. I just started off something because I really cared about what I did and I wanted to make a difference. That was it. Okay. And I started off with three people, three staff, and we worked in the salon, like, and just built it just organically and gently and gentle. And that was the way it worked for us. As it gets a little bit, you know, older it's like it's like raising a child you know you you feed it you water and then it starts to develop into something that's where your brand starts to become and it's to then it's to kind of understand you know what what your goals are and what you need to achieve and i think that's what you need to kind of figure out like there's no point in opening a business just for the sake of it like you have to make a difference you have to stand out and in this day and age you've got to have a great online presence for sure i mean that's one thing we're learning as we go, you know, okay. it's, it actually takes something like this for you to understand actually, okay, actually we need to have a better online presence so people can actually, you know, connect to you and communicate and, and shop from you as well. Um, take good advice, but at the same time, don't live by it. It's always good to listen. The best thing about my job is I have somebody that sits in my chair every year and they give me mm-hmm. their the, the great things they've done in their life and the bad things they've done in their life. And with those little bits of information, it's helped me lots. Through, okay. you know to make decisions or to to run stuff past run stuff past people so i always like to i always like to listen to people and what they think it doesn't necessarily mean i'll i'll, I'll heed it but yeah. it's always good to kind of listen to you know people's experiences and what they do and chance is a big part as well chance plays a big part you know you, i've worked very very hard in my life and lots of opportunities have have passed me by you know it's something good always comes of it. You know, if you give, you know, you give out, you get back. And I really believe that like, if you give off hard work and you give off good energy, it comes back at you tenfold. But -hmm. if you're bitching and moaning and sitting there going, my life sucks or the salon sucks or the business sucks, it is going to suck. 
because you're not giving yeah. out any great vibes. So I do believe stay positive, work hard. I mean, you, there's no substitute for hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, there really isn't. If you work your, your ass off, um, it, it, it's a great, great, a, a great additive to have to your business. But I don't even know how many answers I gave you there. <laughs> that's why. Listen, we'll take all there. the tips you have to give us. No, I think I think that's a lovely a lovely note to finish, like the official chat on. Um, and I'm sure anybody listening who is thinking of, you know, getting up and going for it um, will definitely have lots of nuggets to take from that. So thank you. I always thank like you. to finish thank off you. every episode with a quick fire round. So this is, this can be about Dylan Bradshaw hair salon or just about Dylan Bradshaw. So whatever you want, it's the first thing that comes into your head. You're just going to shoot it out. Cool. Okay. So yeah. my first question, Dylan, is if all jobs in the world are paid the same, what would you be? And you can't be a hairdresser. If all, I would totally be a chef. I love oh, I could so imagine you as a chef. Probably are you a good cook? That's what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I could be a lot better because, well, actually, I'm much better now, but I used to really get into it. My wife does all the cooking now when, when I'm working. So she's a baker and I love cooking. So we're a bad combination. Oh, nice. So I'm, uh, I'm the big, I'm the XXL Dylan Bradshaw when I go back to work. <laughs> Aren't we all? They call it the Corona ton. Um, okay, so Dylan Bradshaw, the chef. Next question is, what was the last thing that you Googled? Uh, how to upgrade your Chrome? Uh, <laughs> <my Zen laughs> it's funny if you and our guests app. have had that to try and open the podcast link. I'll accept that. Oh That's my fine. god! Yeah, yeah. So, what's the last thing I googled? Uh, was uh, oh yeah, yeah. I'll tell you exactly what I was googling. I was planting three hundred flowers yesterday. Plants in the garden. So I was googling where where's the best place to put them. Oh, that's lovely. So, 300 yeah. plants jesus you're gonna have I, a busy garden i haven't even and probably a sore back <laughs> oh I, was, I couldn't walk today but i've uh another 200 <laughs> to do i only got to do one um okay so planting flowers the third thing what is your most used emoji oh i can't i couldn't say that on, on <laughs> have the one with the i, I i'm lo- i love the one with the middle finger to be honest that's fine but we'll let you away with that now once you're not giving anyone the middle finger <laughs> that's your favorite what's well, my favorite well, like it's I, sometimes it's great just for just send that back as a as a response to some people you know but it's like a yeah funny... no no words needed just just one straight yeah. emoji that's it <laughs> yeah. um a fourth question so and you know whatever you're comfortable sharing is is totally up to you but what is one thing that's on your bucket list if you have one Uh, I'd like to go with the family down to Australia for a really long holiday at some stage uh, when they're Lovely. old enough or, or California. That was the two the things I said. I'd like to go away and take a house for a month or six weeks somewhere. Oh, amazing. It'd be nice lovely, time. I think, to like yeah. totally just plant yourself there and live like nearly that life for the kind of four to six weeks or however long you go for. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Amazing. And my last question. So obviously, you know, this podcast is called A Work in Progress. And in honor of that, I always like to ask every guest at the end, what is your current work in progress? And it can be as big or as small as appropriate to you. Well, I'm going in to meet my architect on Monday and uh, we've discussed as in the, the rip out and the refit of the salon. So that will probably be my work in progress for the next few um 
months ahead, just tweaking the design aspect of it. But what I would say is like Dylan Bradshaw for the 20th anniversary would be a very different experience from what it is now because we move okay. forward for the next 20 years in our head. So that's kind of our work in progress at the moment. It's just the, there's a gentle rebrand, but the actual service and experience will be very different. Okay. Amazing. Well, yeah. that's fantastic. Listen, I wish you the very best luck for the next 20 years in Dylan Bradshaw Hair Salon. And thank you so much for giving us an insight into your past, where you're at now and your future plans. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you this morning. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed my chat with Dylan. I think it's definitely fair to say that he has totally paved the way in terms of a destination salon in Ireland. And I wish them all the absolute best of luck in getting their salon reopened. As always, if you did enjoy, please don't forget to rate, subscribe and review on your favourite podcast apps. And I'll see you for the next episode. Okay.